deal. The story reads like this. God created all things perfect, and then sin entered and came into the world. It broke that which was perfect, and now broken and imperfect needed to be fixed. Man's rebellion and disobedience against God now we're separated from what was meant to be. See, sin rejects God's ways and turns to its own way. It chooses things that are wrong, but looks right. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Sin sets no boundaries. Sin says yes to its fleshly desires. But God's a just God. He's righteous. He rules with righteousness and he does not allow evil to have its way. God promises one day to judge all of humanity and give us what we deserve. Oh, but here is the good news, good news. Read all about it because God had a different plan. God said, because of my love for you, my love. This isn't a hate-love relationship. That's not God. God's the one who loved you that created the plan back. And the world's got it all wrong. They don't serve God. They're angry with him because they think he's going to judge me. Yes, he is. But there's a way out of that judgment. Because of God's love, he sent his son for you and I. And off to the cross he went. And on that cross, he became the sacrifice and paid for mine and yours penalty, which I deserved. I was the one who created the sin. I'm the one who did the deed. Yet he gave his life for me so that on judgment day, I could stand before the great and say, I am righteous because Jesus went to the cross for me. And then because Jesus didn't stop at the cross, but he went to the grave and rose again, I will one day too rise with him out of my sleeping state. I will awaken from the grave and be resurrected in heaven with him where I shall live my inheritance out. My inheritance because of what Jesus purchased for me. That's the good news story. In part, that's the story that the good news equals the gospel. The good news is Jesus in the gospel. It's the news of salvation. It's the story containing God and his plan for man. It's liberation from your sin and your brokenness and your estrangement from God. Jesus reconciled us back and now we have life. That's the good news. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Luke 4, the 16, 4, 16 through 19. Now, when Jesus was 30 years old, he had been baptized by John the Baptist. 
And then he was drawn to the wilderness by the Holy Ghost, where he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil begins to tempt Jesus, just like he tempts you and I every single day. But Jesus has victory over the tempter, and the tempter leaves him for a while. And then Jesus returns with power, the Bible says, with power to speak in the synagogue. And this is what he speaks. He asks for the book of Isaiah. And this is what he reads. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. This poor isn't just money. Poor is anything lacking, distressed, lowly, afflicted, maybe destitute of Christian value and virtue that only Jesus could provide. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, crushed lives that had been shattered into pieces. To preach deliverance, a pardon, or a release from the imprisonment that was due to you and I to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that were bruised. The good news is, is that today, if you're sitting in the service lacking anything, you're lacking health and you're failing in your elder years or failing because you're in sports or failing because generational curses that have broken your life, whether you're lacking a spiritual understanding and you feel like you can't break forth into the spiritual growth, you're lacking self-worth, you lack finances to pay your bills tomorrow. Maybe you're lacking emotional stability or love towards this world that has gone crazy. Good news, Jesus came to save you. He came to redeem that which was lost. And he said, if you have loss in your life, if you have this brokenness, I can fix it for you. Will you allow me? Will you accept the good news that I've written and proclaimed? Do you believe it? If life has left you brokenhearted, crushed by loss and grief and shattered, by what was and is now not what is. Hopelessness in a place that you don't even know where to begin to put these pieces back together. The good news is Jesus came to the cross. He rose from the grave so that you could be fixed and mended. Jesus came to heal those places and mend the brokenness in your life. If you're bound by lust, by sexual sin, by impure thinking, lying, covetousness, adultery, idolatry, or you're struggling living as a man in a woman's body, or you're living in an alternate lifestyle, God says, good news, because I came to give you life and give it more abundantly. Because death and hell is under my feet, I have given you a life with me. Will you receive the good news? Will you accept my plan? Will you allow me to reconcile that which was, was 
but was broken by disobedience and sin? Will you allow it? If you're blind and you need sight, good news, he came to recover that which the enemy stole. That's what he said, I will give recovery to the blind. It had to have been present sight before it could have been stolen to recover it. Or I think he would have just said, I'll heal the blind. Those of you that once saw, who do not, there's recovery. Good news is he came to release you from sin's imprisonment and to pardon you from an eternity without him and to live in hell without him. How many of you will say, I receive the good news today? I receive the good news today. See, there is no destruction that the enemy has brought to your life. There's no destruction that even you and I have caused ourselves by our own choices, by our own life's decisions, that God didn't come, send his son to the cross to save and redeem your life. No destruction, no sickness, no wrong choice that God did not love you so much that he sent his son to pay your price to redeem and to fix what was broke. The good news continues. It doesn't stop. It's written in the four gospels and there's so much to the good news But yet again, I find in Mark, the first chapter in the 14th verse, it says, the time has come, he said, these are red letters. That means Jesus himself is saying it. The kingdom of God is come near. Repent and believe the good news. Believe the good news. Some of your versions will say, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe. Believe it. It's simple. It's repent and believe the good news. Believe that Jesus is the son of God and he came to save the world and that he died on the cross for you and I and he rose from the grave. Easy, right? Sounds easy. But there was more. There was more. Because here's what it says in Colossians and we're gonna turn to that one. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Here's what it says. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us to the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. He brought us into, see this is what happens when we repent He redeems or pays for our dues, pays for all your late fees, pays for all your parole, pays for all your court fees, pays for all of the wrong that's been done in your life and says, you're emancipated. I don't desire for you to pay a price any longer. No jail time. You don't have to remember what's been done. In fact, I'm gonna forget it. I'm gonna wash it away off of you so that when people see you, all they see is the blood of Jesus, this white, pure place, and then I'm gonna forget about it. And I'm gonna know you as my son that is righteous because I paid your price. Now, 
We're in the kingdom of God. We're in the kingdom. We are sons and daughters. But the kingdom of God, it's a little sticky. Let me say this. It's a process. In the Waters house, I'm just going to be honest with you. That is a cuss word, Randy says. He says, you say the word process so much that I don't want to hear it anymore. Some things in America and in this lifetime, you don't get immediate. Am I right? How many of you got rich in a day? Nobody. How many of you went from that ugly duckling stage when you were 12 and then you blossomed into this beautiful young man or young woman like that? Nope. It took years, didn't it? And you look back on those pictures and you think, what was I thinking? I thought I looked good. No, you looked horrible and that was your ugly duckling stage. I think I had a little page boy cut. It was horrific. I've never, I don't even want to look at those pictures again. The point is, is that there's a process. It's a course of events in your life in which God begins to act or to govern and have authority as king and Lord in your life. It's an action of God that manifests manifest, it is now seen by others, his being of God in the world and in you. We see this all over, but it's a process of God's kingdom coming to earth in you and I, in you and I. There's a process to it. We should not hate this process. It is not a cuss word. It takes time. And it's okay. God's not moved by our time. He operates on his time. And I'm just telling you that God's time isn't a pressure cooker. God's time is not Walmart time. And if I don't get through the line in enough time because now I gotta check myself out, he don't care. He don't care about time. What he cares about is that your process doesn't miss a step. He's never going to process you faster than the godly character that he's displaying through you can handle. Let me say it like this. You're never gonna be rich if all you're seeking is money because God knows that in that money is your demise and that if you can't operate little, he's never giving you much. If you can't obey through tithe and offering, then why would I give you much when I ask you to deal with my needy people and you're too tight? There's a process. God knows the end from the beginning and he understands your process. And he has a plan to get you from A to Z. It might not be your plan, but it's his plan. After all, aren't we so to pray? Not my will, but your will be done. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seeking in order to find. Seeking with a purpose. Not just meanderly seeking. Yeah, I, I read. I read the Bible today. Yeah. What were you seeking for? With purpose, it's to aim or to strive after. I'm looking to find who he is that I might become like him. 
The good news is that he's available to all of our life situations. If you seek him, you will find him. If you call upon the name of the Lord, he will answer. If you knock, he will open the door. This is who he is. It doesn't matter how big, how small, how young or how old you are, if you're a man or a woman, he is available. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in your life, the process of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, the process of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. Seek it. Above all things, seek his process for your life. Matthew 6, when we pray, I mentioned this before, 6, 9 through 13, it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come in us. My prayer, God, I thank you that your kingdom come in my life. I thank you, Lord, that the process of the Holy Spirit in my life is not aborted by disobedience and by rebellion, but Lord, that I accept the hard things that you ask me to do according to your will, that I would be what you need me to be on earth as it is in heaven. I thank you, Lord, that my children will not run from the purpose and the call of God on their lives, that your kingdom will come in their lives today and forever, that they will make an impact in this world for you. I thank you, Lord, that I will see what is coming, your kingdom resonating in my heart, that it will be manifested through us as a family, that others will be drawn unto you. Let your kingdom come in us. That is the good news. Let the world see that we're not about the kingdom of money. We're not about the kingdom of, of, of sports. Jesus, help me. Whew, these sports seasons, you run from one to the next. Sometimes I feel like the only thing I'm doing is serving soccer, serving golf, serving this little white ball. Oy, help me. Your kingdom come. None of the other kingdoms matter. The good news is not just a message of salvation. That is amazing, that is amazing. But there's a message of transformation. Salvation is one thing, but after you've been saved from yourself or saved from sin, saved from the enemy, will you allow the transformation or will salvation be where you stop? Now that I got what I want, and now that I'm not going to pay the price in a fiery hell, I'm good. I'm good. You know, uh -huh. But isn't that how we are? We come to a church service and the second we get what we want, and the evangelist calls out what we need, and we get ministered to, it's time to go. Come on. I'm just saying. I'm just like you. I'm tempted to get up and walk out just like you. But my faith needs it. My faith needs it. My family needs my faith to walk with them through their life. To rejoice with them 
when they too get ministered to and get healed from what they've been struggling with for years. Thy kingdom come in us loves other people above itself. Thy kingdom come in us prefers our brother above ourself. I'm thinking of blind Barnabas. Blind Barnabas, all he needed was a few good friends just to push him to Jesus. Oh no, shh, quiet, quiet. And the louder he cried, the louder he cried. How would we be if we had a few good friends that would say, go to the prayer line, you need saved. Go to the prayer line, you don't have to live with this curse any longer. The good news, the whole purpose of Christianity is that Christ be formed in us. Thy kingdom come. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but ye, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind in Romans 12. See, you can't do this on your own. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. That's why when Jesus comes and he proclaims, the good news is here, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's present with, with us. And the disciples followed and watched and did what he did. But then he left. And he said, but don't worry. There comes one after me, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the teacher of all things. He's not just going to be in person because person can only go to Galilee and then four days later head over to Nazareth and in 40 days later be here. I'm only one man, but the Holy Ghost is going to come. He's going to live inside of you. He's going to talk with you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to teach you my word. And when he does, you're going to be unstoppable. That's the good news. It's real, it's living, it's alive for you and I to walk and operate in every single day of our lives. The disciples had so many questions. Jesus, 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 pulling on him. The Holy Spirit's got enough time for all of you at the same time. How much greater is what we have, right? We can't get the good news confused with good advice. And let me say this, this is good advice, would be stick to your budget, start up a savings account, and invest wisely. Now hear me out, I'm not saying all that's wrong. I just want, I'm, I'm using this as an example. But the good news would be, David, Someone just opened up a savings account with your name on it with $10 million and all you got to do is sign the paper. One you worked for. One you worked hard for. And the other one was given to you. The good news of God is like this. You didn't do anything to deserve what you get. Nothing. You deserved death. You deserved hell. But God gave freely of his son that you and I might have this life. See, you were saved by grace through faith. 
not of yourselves. It was a gift of God so that no man can boast. You can't say that you did this for yourself. God did it for you because he loved you. Not because he was angry with you. Not because he was mad at you. Not because he came to judge you. He loves you so that on the day of judgment, you can be free. It's really simple. The world loves the fact that you get angry at God. The world is angry. The world is hurting. And they don't know anyone to believe, but God did it. They think he's up there at this little dollhouse moving us all around like little weeble wobbles that don't fall down and, and executing our life and, you know, I'm going to make this person pay. <laughs> no! No! That was the devil! God is saying, no, stop! I paid the price for my children. Weeble wobbles fall, but they get back up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up eight. And I'm okay with that. I provided the way for him to get up eight. I'll forgive the eight. I'll forgive the nine. I'll forgive the ten. But I already paid the price for what that man should deserve. God's way is different. Let's go to 1 Peter 1.3. we go. I got too many marked in my Bible just in case time would allow. It says, praise be to God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Didn't stop at new birth. Did you see that? It didn't say I've given you new birth, period. I've given you new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This is good news. Into a living hope. Not, I hope so. I really hope I like that. Or, oh, I hope you're right. I hope it works. I'm not talking about that kind of a hope. I'm talking about a hope right now. A hope that lives this earthly life that says, I am expectant of a good outcome. I am confident that what the good news says, I believe and I receive. I am hopeful in an eternal life that will come because what God promised is mine. That's the living hope. It's for now to live this earthly life. You don't have to walk downcast because through this new birth, you've been given a different life. Now we live liberated. Now we live set free. Now we live redeemed without a price to pay 
at the judgment. This is a reason to shout. But we often stop at the new birth. Into an inheritance. Not like a new car. Not like a new car. See, that new car starts out shiny and bright. I know it. I know. Some of you men out there, I'm hitting your soft spot. Because Randy just painted a garage this last weekend for a gentleman in our local city. And he's got like five cars in his garage. No, seven. Seven cars. And I said, and Rand said, I don't know why he's got seven cars. I said, because there's seven days of the week. And he's a man. That's why he has seven cars. I said, why do you have a gun collection? He said, guns aren't the price of cars. I said, well, maybe his wallet ain't your wallet. He's got seven cars. He loves them. They're shiny. They're pristine. This garage floor is cleaner than my kitchen floor. I don't know if I should admit that, but it is cleaner than my, okay, except Thursday when Miss Rachel cleans it for me. She does an amazing job. Anyways, it's bright. It smells new. And you love that new car. But every parent here knows sooner or later that car is going to smell like a driving McDonald's. There are chicken nuggets and fries. There's grease. There's ketchup. There's syrup. I dropped on my steering wheel last week while trying to eat pancakes from McDonald's. Don't do that. That's not smart. Who eats pancakes with syrup from McDonald's on their way to work? It was not a good idea. And I felt like trash afterwards. So it was a good thought. The car loses its shine. It loses its smell. And before you know it, it's old. That's not the inheritance you've been given. The inheritance that we're talking about does not spoil. It does not fade away. It is protected by God in heaven for you and I. And you are shielded on this earth if you will allow yourself to be shielded. If you will receive it and believe it, you will be shielded and held until that day when you can receive this great and glorious inheritance where there is no more tears, where there is no more pain, and where you and I, we don't have to fight the fight anymore. We get a rest in who God is. Amen? Isn't that what we're all here to achieve? Isn't that the great and mighty purpose? Is that we would receive the good news that his kingdom would come in us and that we would receive the fullness after this life. That's your inheritance. If you're a Christian, that's your inheritance. Because he is risen and is alive, our hope is alive. My hope is more alive today than it's ever been. In the most desperate time in our nation, my hope is alive. My hope is that God is going to do what God needs to do. The proof is, is that God's going to manifest himself through the church to be what the church needs to be in the time of this brokenness. That there are people out there in a lost and dying world that need to hear the good news. Not your good news. Not that gas prices are lowering. Not that the immigration has been taken care of at the border. But that God's good news has come to save and redeem you from man's penalty. The kingdom of earth will lead you astray. The kingdom of God has come to save and redeem you from this life. Will you accept his redemption? It is nigh. It is nigh. I am resurrected with him. 
1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. We're going to turn there today too. It says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, the good news. I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel or good news, you are saved, liberated, and you escape the corruption of this world. That's what that means. And you are liberated, restored in right relationship with God. If you hold firmly to the words that I've preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. The good news is that the only news that's good is if you believe it and receive it. Believe it and receive it. It will work in your life. And then we are called to stand upon it. Stand upon the good news, the salvation of the Lord. Stand up what you received and you know it is true. Stand upon it and make your life built confidently in this. I have been saved. I have been redeemed. I have received and believed in the good news. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to look to the left when things get crazy. I'm not going to look to the right when I get weary and tired and afraid of what's happening around me but I'm going to stand firmly of what I believe. And I'm going to hold on to the words that have been preached. Before Paul ever preached these words, Jesus did. Jesus is preaching the same words that Paul is regurgitating in the scriptures. Jesus preached the good news. He came to preach and to save and deliver and to liberate us all. Paul is repeating Jesus' words to the church at Corinth and saying, if you will hold on to what you've been taught, if you'll hold on to the good news and the word that I have spoke, the word of Jesus. Otherwise, you believed in vain. Remember how I said we believe it, and then we receive it, period. Nope. Believe it, receive it, stand on it, and hold fast. Hold fast to that which you've learned. Don't let it go. In the time of trouble, in the time of struggle, in the time of uncertainty, don't let it go. The good news did not lie. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus did not come to that cross for you and I in vain. He did not come without power. He came and resurrected with power so that you and I have a power to live this life. He did not leave you alone. He gave you the Holy Spirit to fulfill his purpose and his call in your life. Will you stand on what you know? and hold fast until he comes. That is the good news. The good news has come 
to bring an outcome in your life. If you will allow it its purpose, if you will allow it to do the work day after day, minute after minute, sometimes second after second in our lives. I'm telling you, there is a way that seems right unto man. And people say, I feel it. I feel it. I know what my heart should do. Don't believe your heart. It's a liar. Don't believe your heart. It's a liar. You shouldn't feel anything. And if you feel it, it might not be God. I'm just telling you, your feelings, your emotions, your soul will drive you around and about and get you on the wrong path every single time. Trust the word and hold fast to that which God has said. I finished with this scripture today. We're gonna go to 2 Peter. And it's also 2 Peter 1, 3. And I think this is important for the process in your life. I didn't cuss, it's not a curse word. It's a good word, process in your life. 2 Peter 1, 3 says, he has given us precious promises so that through them, through them, the precious promises is what he's talking about. You may, doesn't say you will, you may participate in his divine nature. Now, let me say this. If you don't believe and receive the precious promises and stand on them and hold fast to them, then you won't partake. It's that simple. It's that simple. Is that not what the word just said? Having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desire. Caused by evil desires. If you will use these precious promises, they will keep you until the coming of the Lord. The good news, it's only good if you believe and receive it, stand on it, and hold fast. Amen? Here's what we're going to do. We can't let this service stop without having an altar call, a salvation call. And I'm just doing it cold. I don't even need no music. I just watched Mr. D'Amico go through an entire week without one, one, one drop of music and watch the anointing fall. Here's what I'm going to say. The good news is good. I just showed you why. There is no clearer message that could have been communicated today than God's love for you and your entire family. I believe there's a season in the church where we believe, and I see there, you can play, yes, yes, play. Not, not that I have to, but I love it when Hannah plays, just let you know. I love when they all play, but I love Hannah too. Here's what I know. There's a season in the church today. There's a season in the world today that says, well, I believe. I believe there's a God. I'm good. No, no, you're not good. 
No, even demons and devils believe. And I didn't call you a demon or devil. I said demons and devils believe. We can't get caught up in the good advice theory. We don't, the good advice is, well, you know, you believe in God. That's part of the battle. No, that's not. No, that's not. Because God could come back tonight and you not have received the good news. You believe it. You think the Bible is correct. You know the world just wasn't spit into existence by some bang and everything landed in perfect ornate order. Duh. Sorry. And I didn't even go to college to understand that. I just knew that didn't happen. Just letting you know. And I don't know whose theory that is either. Anyways, it doesn't matter. My point is, you can't get caught up in that I believe in God and that's enough. It's not enough. And I'm here to tell you the truth. I'm not going to let a service go by that you don't understand what God has come to do for you. And at what crazy lengths he took to display his love for you. It was definitely reckless. Everything he did was reckless. Who takes their son and puts him on a cross and says, that's my will? Who does that? A man who knows that an entire world will be lost unless he reconciles what he meant to be perfect and the devil came to destroy. God's not your enemy. God's not angry with you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. The church doesn't hate you. The church is not judging everything you do. If you are a sinner, we don't even have the right to judge you. We have the right to love you. And if you're a Christian and you're doing wrong things and you know it, then you deserve to be judged by your brother or sister that loves you enough to tell you you're going to go to hell if you don't clean up this manner. This is wrong. You can't treat people like this. You can't steal from people. You can't lie. You can't cheat on your wife. Stop it. Stop it. There's a reason the world doesn't want to be a part of the church. They live hypocritical lives and then act like everything's perfect on Sunday. We don't want you to act perfect. We want you to accept God's perfection for your life. And say that I can't make it there on my own. I am imperfect. I'm broken. I'm, most of the time I make dumb choices. But I'm working on it and God's working with me. And the church is going to walk with you through it. You know how many Christians that don't make wise choices I defend every week? How much greater does God go to our defense? Because he sees the heart of man and knows you're working on it. And the Holy Spirit's process is happening. Don't give up on God. He didn't give up on you. Don't give up on the church because the church won't give up on you. There's a reason we sing the second song we sing today. Because I'm telling you, there are saints that can't sing for themselves. They were once with us in Christ and now they've been drawn away. 
by their own lust, by their own satisfaction. Maybe they've been hurt so deeply that their life has been shattered and they don't know how to put the pieces back. And the one that shattered them was a Christian and worships in their same pew. What if you're the voice crying for them? What if you're the heart? What if you're the good news to their life situation? And you're the one that believes and received what you heard. And now you're going to stand on it and you're going to hold on to it for them because they can't. Because they're broke and what's broke doesn't hold anything that God puts in. If you're broken today, if you're backslidden, we are here for you. And if you're here today and you say, I've heard this good news and I've been running an awful long time, but I'm ready. Today, I choose to believe and receive and to make tomorrow different from today. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to take the boldest step you've ever taken. And I'm gonna ask you to get up and come down front. I'm gonna ask you to find the strength to lean next to your neighbor and say, will you go with me? If that's you, please come. The church is saying welcome. Welcome back or welcome home because this can be your new place. Will you receive what God is saying today? If there's no one here, I believe that everyone then under the sound of my voice understood what was said today. You believed it, you've received it, and now you're standing on it and you're gonna hold on to it. After you've decided that, I ask that this gospel is not just for you. The good news is for everyone. Just like I threw out these newspapers when I came in. Everyone wants to know what's happening. They don't have answers. They're scared. Will you share the good news in a way that it represents Jesus? Will you receive it with love and without malice and without anger? Will you deliver what he's asking you in his end times? His kingdom's come here on earth as it is in heaven, in you and I. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. God says this wrestling, this wrestling's gonna cease. No more. No more. I see the wrestle, and God says it is over. It is over. You have been sealed. You have been sealed, your salvation. Receive the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Receive it for your life. He's with you. You don't have to do this alone anymore. Wrestling will stop. Holy Spirit's present in this room. Right here, sweetheart. There may be more of you here. There may be more of you here.
Is there anyone that would say, come, come, come? It's good. It's good. Welcome home. <laughs> Welcome home. God is faithful. He's faithful. Hmm. anyone else anyone else anyone else that would say I've heard it but I need to receive it today I've been living a life estranged separated from God but I know time is short and I'm coming home anyone Now to make this hard, don't you? <laughs> Sometimes we don't mean to fall away. Sometimes we don't mean to get off path. It just happens. And before you know it, you're not where you want to be, but you don't know how to get back. And all the signs and all the thoughts of the enemy are telling you shame and guilt. They're going to think this. They're going to think that. No, we're not. We're the church. We're the church. Come home. Come home this season. This is your day. This is your day. Live in what God's called you to do. Don't live this life alone. The news is good. It brings hope. It releases the captives. It removes your shame, frees you from guilt. We receive it, Lord. Is there anyone else? All right, let's pray. Come together, family. Come together. Just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in you, but today I receive the cross. I receive your son, Jesus, as my savior. Redeem it, liberate me, and help me walk and live in your way, not my way. I believe that you died and rose again that I might have life. God, walk with me. Keep my feet on the straight and narrow. Help me to choose wisely. And devil, get out of my life. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Now listen, you got to do things different than you did before if you want a different result. Insanity, the definition is to do the same thing and expect a different result. Some of you are going to have to change friends. Some of you are going to have to break patterns and recreate new ones. Some of you are going to have to start reading the Bible even though you don't like it. Find a version you can understand.
I don't care if it's a seven-year-old elementary Bible. You must understand what you're reading and the Holy Spirit will guide you, all right? Here's what I want. This is a family. I need one, two, three, four. I need four people who will say, I'm a believer in Christ and I know what it takes to live for him. And I'm willing to disciple these four places up here. Where are you from, Blake? What city? Salina. Salina? St. Mary's? Where? Yeah, where are you from? Lima. Lima. St. Mary's. So I need some people. Maybe y'all can go to a coffee shop together in the St. Mary's area. And I only need two people. Here's what I need. I have a struggle bus. And I need someone who says, I'm not on the struggle bus no more. And I'm willing to give what I've learned and what I love to others. Do I have anybody in the St. Mary's? So, Melanie, this is your woman. All three of you right here. Mel, this is her. This is Miss Melanie. She is like the best mother figure in the world and you're gonna love her. Mel, I want you to get all their names and numbers and I want you to hound them down. And I know this sounds crazy, but Jesus hounded down the disciples and he taught them the ways of the Lord and so will we. That's what we're gonna do. And every time you see this family and you see them out, you ask them, how are you doing? Blake, I love you. I've missed you at church. This is family responsibility. And this is what we do. We don't forget about those that have gone before us and those that are getting saved. We walk with them, all right? I love you, church. Now, as a part of this, we got 10 minutes. I'm gonna ask you, would you guys exchange numbers? Amel, you get their numbers? Yep, go ahead. And then we have a baby dedication. Like who could take a better day than that? We get salvations and a baby dedication all on the same day. Does anyone know why I'm excited about baby dedication? Because it's membership in the church. <laughs> These members don't ask to be born. They are born, right? And they get thrown into the kingdom of God no matter what. I love it. So some, some are saved by fire, some are saved because their parents brought them to church. Is that not true? This is, this is Roxy Gale Unum, all right? And I wanna thank you all for coming today because this service is where she gets introduced to her family of God, right? What a beautiful day. Jonathan and Danae. What a beautiful gift God gave you. One year ago to this day, am I right? God spoke Miss Roxy into existence through a word of knowledge in her home church and spoke that your life would never be the same and that it would change you yeah. and it would change Jonathan. But God was pleased with you and that you were gonna be able to do this even though you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And I had no clue what you were believing. I had no clue what you guys were even trying to get accomplished, right? Here's what I'll tell you. This is your day where you're declaring before the church and God, your commitment to Roxy, to raise her and to love her in the abinisher of the Lord. Is that right? Yes. Been harder than you thought, wasn't it? Yes. But God's been with you. Yes, and you're amazing. You beautiful little baby girl. She came into this world on December 19th. 2021. You know, here's what I think of when I think of Roxy. I think of a beautiful arrow that God gave you. And you are the bow. Here's the problem. God knows exactly what this arrow is to do in her life. 
how fast, how slow, if she's going to have a curve. Maybe she's going to go up high, come down fast. Maybe she's meant to go through something instead of just penetrate. Maybe she's supposed to be silent, fast. But you're the bow. And it's your job to put her in the bow and to direct her in the way that she should go. But here's where we kind of mess up. Sometimes we think that we should change the way the arrow was made. We think we get to choose how big the feathers are or whether the stick is made of graphite or wood or the tip is metal or razor sharp. Trust me, God designed her for her purpose. He designed her for her destiny. She was called out of 100, out of 44 million choices. God chose her. You're going to be a beautiful arrow for the Lord. Here's what the word of the Lord would say in Deuteronomy 6. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them upon your children and Roxy. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, or when you lie down and when you get up. Be sure and share about the glorious miracle that she is and the glorious miracles that you've seen in the church and his wondrous deeds. She's on loan to you and Jonathan by the Father. Roxy, you'll be ready when the time comes. Your parents will do a good job. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you. God, I ask that you protect and guide us. Father, show yourself to Roxy at an early age. Show her her purpose, her design. God, give her self-confidence to work and move in what you've called her to be and do and go and say. Father, give her parents strength. <laughs> Father, for when they see possibly she's not making the right choice, give them the strength to believe and trust in you. Father, when things are hard, give them the strength to do what's right and not what they wanna do. Teach them to be parents and not friends. Father, we desire that you use Roxy in a great and mighty way. And Father, we pledge today that we will do our best. And God, you do the rest. We trust you in Jesus' name, amen. Beautiful little girl. Turn her around. Show her like the Lion King. There you go. Woohoo! Welcome to your new church, Miss Roxy. These people are crazy for Jesus. Amen? Church, next week we're going to continue our series on the good news. And your pastor will be back in the house. Amen? I'm excited. The good news is such a large topic, but I'm hoping that dad will do what he does best and teach the good news from a miracle point of view. I had to lay some groundwork for you today, but he gets the fun part next week, all right? So if you would, stand to your feet, hallelujah. You know what, it's a good day. Is that not good to have rededications in the house of God? Hallelujah, come on home, come home. It is Palm Sunday. This Friday is a very important day. If you want to remember Good Friday, come on out. It's a very laid back reflection evening where you get to walk through at your own pace. I encourage you, some of the staff's been working very hard. Uh, Kayla 
specifically, you can walk by her and say thank you. She's amazing around here. Um, But I think you'll enjoy Friday. And then we have sunrise service and Sunday service. And don't forget Panera in between where we get a fellowship as a family together, right? Before we go home and feed our faces with our own families. All right, let's pray you out. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for the message today. Father, we thank you that it would fall on good ground in good hearts. Father, I thank you that you would start your Holy Spirit process in the lives of those, Father, that will believe it and receive it. Father, that you mean good things for us. Father, that you love us. And Father, that we remember that. And when the devil tries to come and tell us that you're angry, God, that we'll put aside those thoughts. Father, for I know I am loved by you. Father, thank you that you sent your son. It was not in vain. We believe and we receive. Help us to stand upon it and hold fast that which is true. In Jesus' name we pray. Bring someone that we can share it with this week, Lord, and let us display you well. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Go and be blessed. Enjoy your lunch and we will see you on Wednesday night.